In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Well, hello there, YouTube friends. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Jake Johnson, and this is Untethered Live on a Sunday night. It's Bible study night, bringing you sage knowledge and biblical wisdom coming from my brain, down my Abdullah oblongata, across my vocal cords, crawling up my tongue and shooting out my mouth and into this microphone and across the wires and through the ether waves and down into your house, through your computer, out your speakers, into your ear holes, way down into your brain. It's kind of gross when you think about it, but that's what we're doing here tonight having a good time talking Bible. We are in the great book of Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 24, verse 6. That's where we left off. That's where we're picking up. It's going to be fantastic. Lisa Reen gets the banana. Welcome, Lisa Reen. Welcome, Amanda. Good to see you guys. Welcome to the show. You guys are right first in line. There's four people here already. I ain't even got the words out of my mouth yet, and you're here chomping at the bit. I love it. Tonight's episode is brought to you by this hot cup of brewed coffee and the letter T and the number 70,000. Why? I do not know. It's just what popped in my head. That's all right. How are you guys doing? How's the weather where you are? How are things treating you? How's your life? Are you doing well? Are you getting along? Are you excited? Are you happy? Do you feel comfortable? Does your brain feel like mayonnaise yet? You tell me. Lisa Reen says, I'll give myself the gold star to save you from having to trouble, Jake. Yeah, I, I'll throw a banana at you. How do you like them apples? mess with me, I'll break out the fruit artillery. That good, huh? Glad to hear it. Glad you guys are doing well. Cowboys 8 panel, welcome to the show, sweetheart. Come on in, take your shoes off. Wiggle your toes, it's going to be a nice night. Thank you for the cotton candy, or is that a bouquet of flowers? Or is that a really directed uh, fireworks display? I don't know which, but I like it. Could be a deformed ice cream cone. I don't know. All right. You just calm your little self down, Jake. I'm trying. I'm working on it. I'm excited. I've had a good week. Long week. No sleep, but good. Some could say healing. Others could say, dude. What are you doing? I don't like those people. 
lovely cup of coffee. I'm ready to get started, you guys. I'm excited. It's going to be a good, good, good read tonight, I think. I can feel it in my bones. Love that one anyway. Can you guys hear the crickets in the back? Let me uh, make sure I've turned my thingy on because you don't need to be hearing me breathe. That's better. It's imperceptible, but you can tell when you hear me breathing. And occasionally a noise will happen over here and you'll hear it cut it out. That's good, good software there. It's cut out all the background noise. Crickets are kind of loud right now. I can hear my kitty cats scurrying in the background through my headphones. So I'm, I'm hoping you don't hear it. Cowboys 8 panel, how's your week going? Are you doing well? Who else is with me? I see three of you. Where's the other one? Kevin, is that you? Are you hiding in the background? MVTV? Squint, please. I see you back there, boy. I hear them here, not there. Breathing here, mostly. <laughs> yeah. I'm working on it, though. I've been a singer for most of my life, so my voice is kind of haggard when you don't have a noise cancellation device. That's all right. It's a lovely day. It hadn't rained or anything. It's been sunny all day. Nice and warm. Not hot, just warm. I guess it could have been hot, but I got AC on, so wasn't hot to me. Tomorrow, I think I'll spend the day with my sister since I don't have work and I don't get to see her very much. It'll be a surprise to her, but she'll like it. Lisa Marie says, you switched something on and all the background noise vanished. Yep, it worked real well. Thank you, dear. Appreciate that. Yeah, I got to turn that thing on. I got to turn it off when I play my guitar because it'll cancel out my guitar and it'll sound, it'll come in and out and it won't sound good. So I got to remember to turn it back on when I'm just talking. I wish I had a a button I could just press and just turn that one thing off, but I got to go into the settings and figure it all out and get it all done while I'm talking. It's a skill. Sometimes I hit the wrong button, though. As you've seen me do, I'm sure. But. So what's the news? The news is. I'll be going to Florida before the end of the year. That's a new thing. You can help with that if you like. I'm going to pick up something I left there a long time ago. And it just recently came to my attention that I still had it. So, I'm going to fix that problem. Then... I've got, uh, let's see what else is going on in my life. 
fighting the man, you know, standing up to the power, being a gunslinger. You know how it is. Typical stuff, man stuff, growing a mustache. It's white, but I'll manage. What about you? Are you growing a mustache? Don't answer that. I shouldn't have asked. It's bad, bad form. Where's my April at? Had to get on her tail. She's supposed to be moderating for me. I'm going to have to make one of you guys a moderator because you show up. Who wants the wrench? Somebody's got to kick out the riffraff. Can you be trusted with that kind of power? Don't make me pick one at random. I'll throw a wrench at you and whack you upside the head with it, and then you'll be blue for the rest of the show. All right. So here's the rules. This is the way it works. I don't give out wrenches very often. I'm very particular about who watches over me while I'm working. There's one. Fab Daddy, welcome to see you, buddy. Good to see you. Welcome to the show. Good to see you. I condensed that sentence, but you know you know what I meant. But here are the rules. Free speech is absolutely allowed, as long as they don't go overboard. I don't care if they say anything negative about me. I do care if they disrespect a member of my chat, though. So this is what this is what your job is. Nothing, unless somebody comes in and starts some nonsense. Or if a bot shows up, which you can tell because they'll take over the chat and Post a bunch of crap that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Also, you can time out somebody if they continuously bring up subjects that we're not discussing. Parts of the Bible and things like that. I know they're they're meaning well, but it derails the train of thought. And uh, puts a damper on the show. So you can time them out. Don't, don't block them, though, because they're valuable members of the channel. Only block bots and troublemakers, and porn bombers, which only happened once, oddly enough. And with that being said, by the power vested in me by Almighty God and YouTube, I bestow upon you the power of the wrench and make you a standard moderator. Welcome. Welcome to the team that means you got to show up, by the way. If you're going to show up, you'll be a good moderator. Ain't that right, Fab Daddy? <laughs> Lisa Reen says, Fab Daddy must have been the fourth person that you couldn't see. Must have been. Well, there's five now, so it's possible that there's still a fourth person. I don't know who's here. I would imagine it's MVTV. He likes to listen in the background. But I don't care as long as you're listening. That's all that matters. You'll forgive me. I'm a little lackluster tonight. Tired. Had a long week with no sleep. Very little sleep. Some sleep. Not much. More coffee. All right. Let's get after it, shall we? Can we go down? 
Already got the book open and ready to go. If you got your Bibles handy, crack them open to the great book, 1 Samuel chapter 24, verse 6. And it reads, And he said unto his men, Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch forth mine hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. Who's talking? That's David talking about attacking Saul. You see, Saul has been after David for a while because Saul is jealous of David and Saul knows that David intends to replace him. But David don't want no part of this fight. He is a loyal, true, faithful subject. He loves his king. He loves his God. And he's not about to do anything against the anointed of God. God anointed Saul king. And even though Saul screwed up, doesn't mean David did. That's a good man right there, a man that loves his leader and is in his appropriate place. He knows where he stands. So David stayed his servants with these words. He, he told them to be still. Don't, don't attack. Listen, listen. Let's, let's talk this out. We're not, we're not going after King Saul. And suffered them not to rise against Saul, but Saul rose up out of the cave and went on his way, not even knowing that David had been there that snipped off a little piece of his skirt just to prove that he could have done it if he wanted to. Saul was defenseless. He had no guards. He was in the cave by himself, sleeping. And David just happened to be in that very cave, hiding from Saul. And while he was asleep, Saul, I mean, David snuck over and cut off a piece of his garment and kept it. He's going to return it because he's that kind of guy, but just to let Saul know. David also arose afterwards and went out of the cave and cried after Saul, saying, My Lord, the king! And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth, bowed himself like a true subject would. He humbled himself before the king, because he's the king, right? And David said to Saul, Wherefore hearest thou men's words, saying, Behold, David seeketh thy hurt. Translation, I know you've heard rumors about me coming to get you. They aren't true. Behold, this day thine eyes have seen how the Lord hath delivered thee into the... Sorry, deliberately delivered thee... I'm not having a stroke. I can talk. Delivered thee today into mine hand in the cave, and some bade me kill thee. You were right there. I could have got you anytime I wanted you. God delivered you to me, not the other way around. Keep that in mind. And I could have killed you, and some of my men even wanted me to. But mine eye spared thee, and I said, I will not put forth mine hand against my Lord, lowercase l, by the way, for he is the Lord's, capital L, anointed. He is God Almighty's anointed. It's not going to be me that kills him, period, says David. Very, very scary situation because he just came right out of the cave and said, here I am. He knows they're looking to kill him, and there he is, right behind him. Moreover, my father, see, yea, the skirt of my robe, uh, of thy robe in my hand. Look, he's calling king his father, not his actual father, but, you know, the hierarchy of fatherhood. He's saying, look, man, I've got your robe right here in my hand. I cut this off of your skirt. Look at it. It's the right pattern and everything. 
for in that I cut off the skirt of thy robe and killed thee not. Know thou and see that there is neither evil nor transgression in my hand. I have not sinned against thee, yet thou huntest my soul to take it. I've done you no wrong, King Saul. I'm not after you. I could have killed you, and I didn't to prove a point. There's no evil in my hands. There's no blackness in my heart. Yet you seek to kill me and take my soul. Why? The Lord judge between me and thee, and the Lord avenge me of thee. But mine hand shall not be upon thee. If you kill me, God's going to get you. He'll be the judge between what's going on here. I don't even know what the problem is, but whatever it is, he'll judge it. But it won't be my hand that kills you. After whom is the king of Israel come out? Who are you after? Who do you pursue? After whom dost thou pursue? After a dead dog? After a flea? My humble self? I'm nobody. I'm a peasant. And you're after me? Your whole army with you? That doesn't sound right, does it? The Lord, therefore, be the judge, and judge between me and thee, and see, and plead my cause, and deliver me out of thine hand. Let God see if I've done anything wrong, and if I haven't, let me be delivered out of your hand. Don't kill me. And it came to pass, when David had made an end of speaking these words unto Saul, that Saul said, Is this thy voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. And he said to David, Thou art more righteous than I, for thou hast rewarded me good, whereas I have rewarded thee evil. Yeah, you think? It's funny how levity, how a little bit of perspective puts things for you to think. How you can see more clearly when you've had a chance to analyze the situation, to break it apart, to look at all the angles, to argue it out and see, to understand. It'll change your entire perspective on things. It's called wisdom. Wisdom of the ages, if you will. David, being the father of the wisest man that ever lived, he obviously got it from somewhere. So Saul is repentant at this moment. It won't last, but at this moment, he's sad that he fought to kill David. And thou hast showed this day how that thou hast dealt well with me, forasmuch as when the Lord had delivered me into thine hand, thou killest me not. You think? He could have run you through right there while you slept, and there ain't nothing you could have done to stop it, and yet he didn't. So he obviously is more righteous than you, because if the shoe was on the other foot and it was him laying there sleeping, you would have ran him through and you know it. For if a man find his enemy, will he let him go well away? Wherefore the Lord reward thee good for that thou hast done unto me this day. Meaning, I've found my enemy, but I'm going to let you go. Because you did good by me today. And I see the error of my ways. So I'm going let, to let this slide for now. And now, behold, I know well that thou shalt surely be king, you think, and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in thine hand. Yes, that's the plan. When Samuel told you a year ago that the kingdom was no longer yours, it was given to David. 
So yes, he will be king. He will take your place. But it won't be because he killed you. You already did that. You just don't know it yet. You're already dead. You just haven't stopped breathing yet. You will. Swear now, therefore, unto me by the Lord that thou will not cut off my seed after me, that thou will not destroy my name out of my father's house. Well, now you're thinking about your family. That's a good thing. Understand that David's not a bad man. He's going to respect you as king. Obviously, he's going to respect your family as the lineage to the king. He's not going to kill your kids. Don't worry about that. And David swear unto Saul, and Saul went home. But David and his men got them up to the hold or the stronghold or the um, fortified village where they were staying before. And Samuel died, and all the Israelites were gathered together and lamented him and buried him in his house in Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. And there was a man in Maon whose possessions were of Carmel, were in Carmel. Carmel's a city, not a candy, although it is tasty. And the man was very great, and he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife was Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding. She was smart. She had a, a good, keen wit about her. She understood life. She understood business. She understood men and how they function. And of a beautiful countenance. But the man was churlish and evil in his doings. And he was of the house of Caleb. Caleb is one of the descendants of Seth, which eventually will bear Christ in that lineage. But through Caleb... But this man ain't one of those people. This man is a bad dude. He's a, a drunkard and an abusive man. He likes to beat on his pretty wife, his pretty smart wife, Abigail. He likes to hold her back, treat her like she doesn't know anything, probably because he's jealous of her. That's usually why that happens. And David heard in the wilderness that Nabal did shear his sheep. And David sent out ten young men. And David said unto the young men, Get you up to Carmel, and go to Nabal, and greet him in my name. And thus shall ye say to him that liveth in prosperity, Peace be both to thee, and peace be to thine house, and peace be unto all that thou hast. David's about to make a deal here. <coughs> and now I have heard that thou hast shearers. Now thy sheep which were with us, we hurt them not. Neither was there any missing unto them. We have all of them. All the while they were in Carmel. Ask thy young men, and they will show thee. Wherefore let the young men find favor in thine eyes, for we come in, good, we come in a good day. Give, I pray thee, whatsoever cometh to thine hand unto thy servants and to thy son David. He's asking for a handout. He's saying, we're headed that way. You're a guy that has a lot of money. How about help us out as we travel? Give us a little bit so that we can keep moving forward. You obviously have it. You're, you're very wealthy. And when David's young men came, they spake to Nabal according to all those words in the name of David and ceased. 
They said what they had to say, and they waited for Nabal to respond. And Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? There be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my flesh that I have killed from my shearers and give it unto men whom I know not whence they be? So David's young men turned their way and went again and came and told him all those sayings. This man is an asshole. You know what I'm saying? He don't care. He knows who David is. He knows about the stories. He knows about the death of Goliath and who Jesse is, the man of seven very famous sons, one being the future king of Israel. This man knows who they are. He's not going to give away any of his hard-earned cash to help a man out who's in need. Let that be a lesson to you. When a person comes to you in need and asks for a favor, grant it if you are able, because God notices these things. This is proof of that. Watch what happens to this man, and watch what happens to David, because he asked, and the man did not deliver. And David said unto his men, Gird ye on every man his sword. And they girded on every man his sword. And David also girded on his sword, the sword of Goliath, the big one. And there went up after David about 400 men, and 200 abode by the stuff. So he took about three-quarters of his men with him. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to salute our master, and he railed on them. Your husband railed on these young men who came in, in peace as a salute from David to give him obeisance, to show this man respect and ask for alms, to ask for a little donation. But the men were very good unto us, and we were not hurt, neither missed we anything, as long as we were cons conservant with them. Meaning, as long as we treated them as well as they were treating us. When we were in the fields, they were a wall unto us both night and day. And all the while, we were with them keeping the sheep. Did I miss one? Nope, I did not. Now, therefore, know and consider what thou wilt do. For evil is determined against our master and against all his household. For he is much, sorry, he is such a son of Belial that a man cannot speak to him. We're talking about Nabal now. This is uh, one of Nabal's men speaking to one of David's men about Nabal. Belial is a false deity. He's a fake god, by the way responsible for many, many mishaps in the tradition of the Israelite people as they came across into Canaan. This man is such a bastard that you can't even talk to him. He's a son of Belial, this man. Then Abigail made haste, smart woman, to the rescue. For all of you people out there, not you, all of those people out there who like to say that the Bible is sexist and that God is a misogynist, he's the patriarchy and blah, 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 blah. He's a tyrant. He sure does use women an awful lot to solve problems. I'm just saying. I'll point it out every time it happens. 
Here's one time. Abigail made haste and took two hundred loaves and two bottles of wine and five sheeps ready dressed and five measures of parched corn and an hundred clusters of raisins and two hundred cakes of figs and laid them on asses. And she said unto her servants, Go on before me. Behold, I come after you. But she told not her husband, Nabal, the peckerwood. And it was so as she rode on the ass that she came down by, by the covert on the hill. The covert is where water pours down. It's not secret steps, but you get my point. You have one in your neighborhood, I imagine. She came down by the covert in the hill, and behold, David and his men came down against her, and she met them. She, by herself, this young woman, Nabal's wife, came out loaded with stuff to meet David, whose men were coming to kill him. Now David had said, Surely in vain have I kept all this fellow hath in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that pertained unto him, and he hath requited me evil for good. Surely he doesn't expect me to keep me and all of my men in the woods and starve to death when I asked him for help, and he requited me. He turned me away, evil for good. I came in good faith. He turned me away in evil. He showed his tail to my men. That's what that means. April, there you are, sweetheart. Welcome to the show. Good to see you. Glad you could drop by. We missed you. Kevin is still sick. Oh, I'm sorry, baby. Get him some Tylenol and some water. Keep him hydrated. He'll be okay. <clears throat> Chapter 25. So and more also do God unto the enemies of David. If I leave of all that pertain to him by the morning light, any that pisseth against the wall. This is David boasting a little bit. David saying to this woman, listen, God kills all of my enemies if I don't kill them first. If I leave any that pisseth against the wall, meaning if I leave anybody left behind straggling, God's going to take care of them. That's how it works with this army. So you need to be aware of that. We're not losing. I get you're here to keep peace, but I'm kind of upset that he turned my men away. And when Abigail saw David, she hasted and lighted off the ass. She jumped off of it in a hurry and fell before David on her face. She prostrated herself to David, who's not yet king, but she's aware of who he is and what his role will be in the future. So she prostrates herself in respect. She shows obeisance to this peasant man, David. And bowed herself to the ground and fell at his feet and said, Upon me, Lord, upon me, my Lord, upon me let this inequity be. Let thine handmaid, I pray thee, speak in thine audience and hear the words of thine handmaid. Listen to me. You take all of this out on me. Don't kill my husband. Don't kill his men. Let me argue for him. Listen to what I've got to say. Let not, my Lord, I pray thee, regard this man of Belial, even Nabal, for as his name is, so he is. 
Nabal is his name and folly is with him. This word Nabal, if you break it down in the Hebrew, it means man of folly. It means person with bad luck. It means uh, disrespected by God is a way you can look at it. But I, thy handmaid, saw not the young men of my Lord whom thou didst send. I didn't see them when they came or I would have handled it. I didn't know he spoke to them. But now that I do know, now that my men have reported to me what happened, I'm here to make it right. I came with what you asked for and more. (laughs) Now, therefore, my Lord, as the Lord liveth, as God liveth, and as thy soul liveth, as your soul lives, seeing the Lord hath withholden thee from coming to shed blood, and from avenging thyself with thine own hand. Now let thine enemies and they that seek evil to my Lord be as Nabal. Let them all have bad luck. Let them all be disrespected by God. But let's stop the bloodshed. You don't need to come kill everybody. And now with this blessing which thine handmaiden hath brought unto my Lord, let it even be given unto the young men that following that are following my Lord. <coughs> let me feed your men. Let me take care of you, says this lady. <coughs> Excuse me. I think I'm coming down with a little something. I got a frog in my throat. Yep, that's in there. Hmm. So, this lady has saved the day because David, if he's not anything, he's patient and he's observant and he has compassion in his heart and he doesn't want to kill anybody. But that's the way things are. You disrespect my man, I'm going to kill you. That's the way it works. But she, she has made it better because all he wanted was to be fed as they passed through. That's all he wanted. That's all he asked for. The man had to turn him away. I pray thee, forgive the trespass of thine husband, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house, because my Lord fighteth the battles of the Lord. See, I told you she knew who he was. And evil hath not been found in thee all thy days. She knows exactly who David is, and she knows that he'll be king, and she is rightly so placing herself at his feet. That's where you belong if the other person is a king. Just watch what happens next, though. Yet a man is risen to pursue thee and to seek thy soul, but the soul of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of life with the Lord thy God, and the souls of thine enemies, them shall he sling out as out of the middle of a sling. You better believe it. Nobody could stand against David. Nobody. This woman is aware of this. And it shall come to pass, when the Lord shall have done to my Lord according to all that is good that he hath spoken concerning thee, and shall have appointed thee ruler, over Israel, see, I told you she knew who he was, that this shall be no grief unto thee, nor offense to the heart, nor offense of heart unto my Lord. Don't let this bother you. This man is an asshole, but don't let him grieve you. Don't let him cause you to hold a grudge. Keep your righteous ways 
Don't let evil befall you all the days of your life. Let me handle this, says this lady. Either that thou hast shed blood causeless, or that my Lord hath avenged himself. But when the Lord, God, shall have dwelt well with my Lord, then remember thy handmaiden. Oh, he's going to remember her, all right. And then David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which sent thee this day to meet me, and blessed be thy voice, and blessed be thou, which has kept me this day from coming to shed blood and from avenging myself with mine own hand. Blessed be you. See what a little sweetness can give you? See what just walking out to meet the issue can solve? Now she's blessed by God because David blessed her and David is a man after God's own heart. So God obviously heard that. Guess where she's going to end up, by the way? Abigail. Nabal's wife. For in very deed, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, which hath kept me back from hurting thee, except thou hadst hasted to come meet me, Surely there had not been left unto Nabal by the morning light any that pisseth against the wall. Surely I would have killed them all by morning. But you came to meet me. Surely that is a deed of God. Surely that is his hand working over you. So David received of her hand that which she had brought him and said unto her, Go up in peace to thine house. See I have hearkened to thy voice. I have accepted thy person. Now this turns out to mean a little bit more than she thought it meant at first. But David has taken a liking to Abigail. You understand? And Abigail came to Nabal, and behold, he held a feast in his house, like the feast of a king. The man who just turned away the king is feasting himself like a king. A little selfish. And Nabal's heart was merry within him. He was drunk. For he was very drunken, see, I told you. Wherefore she told him nothing, less or more, until the morning light. She didn't get, she said nothing. She had, he has no idea that David and his men are encompassing round about his little mountain. He has no idea that she just saved his life and all of his men's life. He has no idea, and I assure you, he will not treat her like she just saved his life because he doesn't know. He's not even capable of that kind of thought. No forethought, no foresight. But it came to pass in the morning when the wine was gone out of Nabal and his wife had told him these things that his heart died within him and he became as a stone. She broke his heart because she went and told him I did what you should have done. And he was a coward for not doing it. And he was selfish and rebellious for turning away the king of Israel. I went and handled this problem. You, sir, are no man. And it came to pass about ten days after that the Lord smote Nabal that he died. And when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord that hath pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal, and hath kept his servant from evil. For the Lord hath returned the wickedness of Nabal upon his own head. And David sent and 
communed with Abigail to take her to him a wife. Now, how about them apples? You want to turn away the king? You want to refuse to give the Lord his due? You want to act like you're too good to give a little? Guess what's going to happen? God's going to get you. He notices these things. When you give, he gave Abigail to David to wife because her present husband was a piece of dirt, and he recognized it. And when he saw that Abigail was willing to go out and meet David and put herself in danger to save her family, God said right then and there, I'm going to bless this woman. I'm going to give her the keys to the kingdom, but I'm going to kill on the ball because he turned us away. You remember that, and it'll serve you good all the days of your life. Now, Nabal is dead, and Abigail gets to spend the rest of her life in David's palace. That's pretty sweet, if you ask me. When the servants of David were come to Abigail to Carmel, they spake unto her, saying, David sent us to thee, to take thee to him to wife. I bet that was news to Abigail. And she arose and bowed herself on her face to the earth and said, Behold, let thine handmaiden be a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. That's a good woman right there. Not only is she happy that David wants her, but she's going to wash the feet of his servants to show respect to him. Now, I'm not into that. I don't dig that. But in those days, that was a high praise. You know what I'm saying? Don't be touching my feet. That's what I'm saying. But uh, in those days, it meant a lot. And Abigail hasted and arose and rode upon an ass with five damsels of hers that went after her, her handmaidens or her bridesmaids or however you want to look at it. And she went after the messengers of David and became his wife. I would add eagerly. She wanted to. She was happy that he saw her as beautiful and he saw her as worthy and as smart and he probably used her counsel quite often. David also took Ahinoam of Jezreel, and they were also both of them his wives. So, you know, I mean, big man, takes a few women. I get it. But Saul had given Michal, his daughter, David's wife, to Plati, or Palti, sorry, the son of Laish, who was of Galam, now, that's not very nice because McCall is already David's wife. And Saul has given her away to another man. That's called adultery, and God don't like that. Keep in mind, this is before the one wife per one man rule was set. So this was not out of the ordinary. This is the typical way that people of that period of time in that part of the world functioned in their marriages. They had five or six or even a hundred wives, depending on, you know, what their appetites were. And the Ziphites came unto Saul to Gabeah, saying, Doth not David hide himself in the hill of Hachilah, which is before Jeshim? Then Saul arose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph, having three thousand chosen men of Israel with him to seek David in the wilderness of Ziph. I thought we were over this. Oh, no. No, when he hears how good David's doing, it just gets his goat, and he just can't stand it, so he's going to kill him again wonder if you'll learn a lesson this time. And Saul pitched in the hill of Achilla, which was before Jeshimon, 
by the way. But David abode in the wilderness, and he saw that Saul came after him into the wilderness. David therefore sent out spies and understood that Saul was come in very deed. In other words, he was there to kill him. And David arose and came to the place where Saul had pitched, and David beheld the place where Saul lay, and Abner, the son of Ner, his captain of his hosts. And Saul lay in the trench, and the people pitched round about him. Then answered David and said unto Ahimelech the Hittite, and to Abshai, or Abishai, excuse me, the son of Zariah, brother of Job, saying, who will go down with me to Saul, to the camp of Saul? And Abishai said, I will go down with thee. I'm not scared. I'm going with you. So David and Abishai came to the people by night, and behold, Saul lay sleeping within the trench, and his spear stuck in the ground at his bolster, or at his feet. <clears throat> but Abner and all the people lay round about him. Then said Abishai to David, God hath delivered thine enemy into thine hands this day. Now, therefore, let me smite him, I pray thee, with the spear, even to the earth at once. And I will not smite him the second time. In other words, I'll run him through the first time and get him good. Just let me go over there and kill him. Come on, David, let me have him. Let me at him. Let me at him. And David said to Abishai, destroy him not. For who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? Don't you know what will happen if you go over there and try to kill God's anointed king? You're going to die. You won't be guiltless. You'll be judged for that. Don't do that. Leave that man alone. Good man, David. And David said, Furthermore, as the Lord liveth, the Lord shall smite him. You don't have to kill him. God's going to get him. God's already taken his kingdom away. He's no longer king. He just doesn't know it yet. He's still pretending to be king. Or his day shall come to die, and it will. Or he shall descend into battle and perish. Or fall on his own sword, more likely. And the Lord forbid, God forbid, that I should stretch forth mine hand against the Lord's anointed, but I pray thee, take thou now the spear that is at his bolster and the curse of water and let us go. Cruise of water and let us go. Cruise of water is a, a bag of water made of uh, sheepskin or something like that. So just to show Saul that he's been a step ahead of him this whole time, just like in the cave, and he cut a piece of his skirt off. Now he's going to take his spear and his water that he personally drinks from and they're going to leave. And when Saul wakes up and realizes his weapon is gone and his water is gone, he's going to know that David was standing over him yet again and could have killed him that day and didn't. David is indeed a wise man. So David took the spear and the cruise of water from Saul's bolster that they got them away. And no man saw it nor knew it, neither awaked. For they were all asleep, because a deep sleep from the Lord was fallen upon them. They weren't just asleep. They were unconscious, because God put them out. Because that's what happens when you go against God's actual anointed person, which is David, not Saul. Saul was once anointed by God, and David is respecting that. But David actually holds the Holy Spirit over him. 
the hedge of God is around David. So anywhere he goes, the battle will fall into his hands, whether he does anything or not. That's just the way it is. Then David went over to the other side and stood on the top of the hill afar off, a great space between them, a great space being between them. And David cried to the people and to Abner, the son of Ner, saying, Answerest thou not, Abner? Then Abner answered and said, Who art thou that criest to the king? And David said to Abner, Art thou not a valiant man? They're a good ways away from each other, so I've got to yell the part. And who is like thee in Israel? And Abner said, What? I didn't hear that last part. Could you repeat that? Wherefore then hast thou not kept thy lord the king? For there came out one of the people in to destroy the king thy lord. This thing is not good that thou hast done. As the Lord liveth, ye are worthy to die, because ye have not kept your master the Lord's anointed. See that? And now see where the king's spear is and the cruise of water that was at his bolster. You know, David is telling him, what you're doing is not good. Are you not a good, just man of Israel, Abner? Are you not wise? Do you not get what's happening here? You've come out to kill me. I'm God's anointed person. It's not good for you to kill God's anointed person. I didn't kill Saul twice for that very reason. How is it that I know this and you don't? Are you not paying attention? Look where his spear and his water is. I've already been in your camp. I stood over you. I could have teabagged you and you couldn't have stopped me. But I didn't kill you. Think about that for a minute. And Saul knew David's voice and said, Is this thy voice, my son David? And David said, It is my voice, O Lord, my king. And Saul said, Could you repeat that last part? I didn't quite get that. And he said, Wherefore doth my Lord thus pursue after his servant? Why are you pursuing me again? I thought we settled this. For what have I done? Or what evil is in mine hand? Now therefore I pray thee, let my Lord the king hear the words of his servant. If the Lord have stirred thee up against me, let him accept an offering. But if they be the children of men, cursed be they before the Lord. For they have driven me out this day from abiding in the inheritance of the Lord, Canaan, saying, Go serve other gods. I don't want to serve other gods. I want to be in Canaan with my people. And yet I can't because you're chasing me everywhere I go. Every time I turn around, there you are to kill me. But I've done nothing wrong. I don't deserve your hatred. Why are you after me? Now, therefore, let not my blood fall to the earth before the face of the Lord, for the king of Israel has come out to seek a flea. Again, he's prostrating himself, lowering his self before the king, even though he's the rightful king. A good man, David is. As when one doth hunt a partridge in the mountains, you're hunting me like a pigeon. Stop it. I don't like it. I don't deserve it. Stop. Then said Saul, I have sinned. Return, my son David, for I will no more do thee harm. Yeah, I've heard that before. Because my soul was precious in thine eyes this day. Behold, I have played the fool and have erred exceedingly. You just like making a fool of yourself, don't you, Saul? 
But I've heard this before. No, 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 no. I'm not playing this game with you, buddy. Dost thou take me for a fool? And David answered and said, Behold, the king's spear. And let one of the young men come over and fetch it. The Lord rendered to every man his righteousness and his faithfulness. For the Lord delivered thee into my hand today, but I would not stretch forth mine hand against the Lord's anointed. I'll read that first line again because you need to bury this into your brain socket just as deep as you can get it because these words are the truth. The Lord renders to every man and every woman his or her righteousness and her faithfulness. Are you righteous? Are you faithful? Do you believe? Do you follow? Do you worship? Do you pray? Do you care what God wants for you, what he thinks, what his plan is for this world, what your role in it is? Because if you don't, you're going to get like in kind. But if you give your righteousness and your faith to God, if you follow that path, if you act on what you believe in, God will give you in kind the amount of righteousness and faith that you show. It's a reciprocal universe. You give and you receive. It doesn't work the other way around. You don't wait for God to fix you. You give first without cause, without question, without expecting anything in return, and God will bless you in dividends. But you have to make the first move. He's already made the first move. He put you here. That's the move. It's your turn. When's the last time you hit your knees in private? When's the last time you had a conversation with your father? When is the last time you told him what you thought and what you were scared of and what you needed? When is it? When is the last time you helped one of his servants? When is the last time you gave to your community, to your church, to your pastor, to your teacher, whatever it is? Think about that. If you are that person, God blesses you. But if you're not, he don't. It's as simple as that. It's not, you're not buying God's blessings. You're proving that you're worthy of it. There's a difference, slight difference, but a difference. You can't buy righteousness. <clears throat> you can't buy God. You can't buy your way into heaven. There's no way. God doesn't need your money. His servants do, though. Keep that in mind. And behold, as thy life was much set by this day in mine eyes, so let my life be much set in thine eyes of the Lord, or the eyes of the Lord, and let him deliver me out of all tribulation. This word tribulation in this sense means the persecution of Saul. Let God stop all of this nonsense so I can get back to living a normal life. That's what he's saying. Just like I spared your life and I held you in high esteem, let God hold me in high esteem. I don't even care what you think about me. Just stop pursuing me. Simple. Then Saul said to David, Blessed be thou, my son David, for thou shalt both do great things and also shalt still prevail. Duh. So David went on his way and Saul returned to his place. This is the third time this has happened. The third time Saul has repented his ways and went home after pursuing after David to kill him. First time was in the palace when he threw a javelin at him. Second time in the cave. Third time while he was sleeping in a trench. 
the fourth time won't be so nice. And David said in his heart, this guy ain't ever going to leave me alone. No, he didn't say that. I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. That's what he said. And pretty much the same thing. There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines. And Saul shall despair of me to seek me any more in any coast of Israel. So shall I escape out of his hand. Well, that's not what God has in store for you, but I understand why you think that. You think Saul is blowing smoke in your direction. Yes, he is. And yes, he will come after you again. This is not over. But you don't need to go to the Philistines because you got to rule Israel. You don't need to run from Saul because God's not ever going to let him get too close to you. He'll always make sure you see him first and as it has been thus far. He'll always make sure you have the upper hand. He'll always step in and intervene. You don't need to be afraid. But David is afraid because this man's after him. And Saul is a foot taller than everybody else in Israel. He's a big, scary dude. You know. And David arose and he passed over with his 600 men that were with him into Akish, the son of Mork, king of Gath. And David dwelt with Akish at Gath. He and his men, every man with his household, even David with his two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitist, and Abigail, the Carmelitist, Nabal's wife. Wonder what he's doing there in Kish. I mean, in Gath. Sorry. I imagine he's having a good time with his two wives. And it was told Saul that David was fled to Gath, and he sought no more again for him. Good man there, Saul. Hold your peace. Relax. You don't need to go after David and Gath. He ain't bothering you. Stop bothering him. And David said unto Akish, If I have now found grace in thy eyes, let them give me a place in some town in the country that I may dwell there. For why should thy servant dwell in the royal city with thee? I don't need to stay in the palace. I don't need to stay in the royal city. Just give me a house outside of town and that'll be fine if I've found grace in your eyes. Then Akish gave him Ziklag this day, or that day. Wherefore, Ziklag pertaineth unto the kings of Judah unto this day. Where is Ziklag? Do you know? I'll tell you. Ziklag is Jerusalem. How do I know that? Because the city of David was built in the town that he owned, which was renamed Zion, which is in Jerusalem. It's about 400 yards away from the Dome of the Rock, due east, if I'm not mistaken. You can throw a rock and hit it. It's an empty field right now. It's where the third temple will be built when they finally realize that they've owned the property the whole time. Right now, some rabbi 700 years ago said that the temple was on the Dome of the Rock and they believed it. So they believe that. And all of their traditions are built based on that. That wailing wall is not Solomon's temple. It's Herod's temple. Different temple different location. They hadn't figured that out yet. This redneck has, but all of the Jewish community in Israel have not. Kind of makes you wonder why. Anyway, eventually they'll figure it out and build the temple, and then the Antichrist will come, and that'll be the end of things. But until then, David now owns Ziklag, and that's where we're going to stop for today, ladies and gentlemen. We'll pick up tomorrow night, same bat time, same bat channel, Chapter 27, verse 7. Man.
What a fantastic, intense read. I hope that touched your heart. I hope that it inspired you to reach, to seek your father, to reach out and, and understand his will, to understand his desire, the plan for all things and your role in it. Won't you do that for me, please? And while you're thinking about it, while it's crossing your mind, hit that subscribe button and press the bell icon so you get notifications of when I'm going to be online. Smash that like button. It's free. It's right in front of you. It's effortless, and it really does help the channel with the algorithms. Helps us get recommended to other people. Won't you do that, please? Share this video with people you love. Better yet, share it with somebody you don't love. Bring them into the family. Make them part of the fold. Be part of their solutions, not part of their problems. Leave a comment down below and let me know what you're thinking about. Question me, curse me, bless me, challenge me, confront me, conform with me, drink my Kool-Aid. Make your own Kool-Aid as long as you're thinking critical. That's what I want. Critical thought coming from that brain of yours and hey if you love the word of God and you can see the value in what I'm trying to build here and you'd like to be part of that you'd like to do something special or if you feel led to send your tithes offerings or love offerings or if you just like to pat me on the back and say hey good job Jake I see what you're doing you can do that you can support my work by going to paypal.me slash Jake Johnson band or if you're a Cash App user, you can send it to dollar sign Jake Johnson Band. Every little bit helps. It's a win-win. It's a blessing to my soul. And I need it. But it's a blessing to your soul and you need it. Because we do live in a reciprocal universe as this lesson has proved. God notices these things. I will do everything in my power to be worthy of that support and give you all of what I have to give. And now... I will continue that tradition by answering all of your questions and comments in this part. Coming up, what's up, everybody? Did you like the read? Does it feel good? Did you learn anything? Do you feel enlightened? Tell me what's on your mind. And I will read the chat and see what all I missed. April says, good to see everybody. I'm sorry Kevin is still sick. Ugh, much love, hon. Well, much love back to you, and we'll be praying for him. Poor Kevin, says Amanda. Get well soon, Kevin. April says, yeah, I missed y'all too. He's not friendly or anything nice to be around. LOL. Ugh, I try. Good Lord, praying. He gets to feeling better, and we have a busy week ahead. Well, I hope he feels better too, and we'll be praying for him too. And You just stand by your man, honey, and he'll get better. If he gets out, if he gets unruly, just take your little finger and shove it up in his nose as hard as you can and pull, and he'll stop that immediately, I promise. Amanda says, that's not good, April. April says, thanks. Mandy, love, I'm not either W. What? April says, LOL, I don't want to be around anyone when I'm sick, knock on wood. I don't want it. Ugh. I don't blame you. I'm a baby when I'm sick. I want to be pampered and petted and taken care of and told I'm going to be all right. All that good stuff. April says, Kevin told me to tell y'all all thanks. Much love. Much love, Kevin. I hope you get better soon, buddy. You're in my prayers. Amanda says, I'm a big baby when I'm sick, LOL. I'm saying. April says, aren't we all, LOL? April I mean, uh, Cowboy's eight pounds says, hi, April Rain. April says, hi, Cowboy. Love, good to see you. How are you? April says, yay, amen, talking about the David thing and the uh, Abigail thing. 
Cowboys 8 Pound says, I'm doing good. Thanks, April. April says, oh, yes, I love this read. It's a good one, wasn't it? Very nice. Very apropos. April says, but the woman had to stand by her man that had 100 partners. Wow. Um, <clears throat> it wasn't weird in those days. She did. She, she partook, you know. She had 100 partners, too. That's just how it works. You don't honestly think he just went from room to room, do you? <laughs> Walter Davis says, good evening, all. Good evening, Walter Davis. Glad you could drop by. Abel says, hello, Walter Love. Good to see you. How are you? Everybody hit that like button. Thumbs up, smiley face, hearts, and double hearts, and pointer fingers, and more pointer fingers, and prayers, and more thumbs up. Says, pretty please, says April. Yes, please do. Well said, Jake. Amen. Inspiring and true. Thank you. I hope you got something out of that. My chat froze, says Amanda. Ugh. Hit refresh. Keep moving. Or use a different phone or a tablet or a laptop. Or call me and I'll read the chat to you. Welcome back, love, says April. Amanda says, thank you, hon. ATL Transparency, what's up, my brother? Good to see you. How you doing? Samuel. Yes, Samuel. Next. Amanda says, hi, ATL. ATL says, hi, Amanda. Good to see you. Or hello. I added that, but it meant the same thing. April says, hello, ATL. Much love. How are you? ATL says, hello, April. Still going. Cowboys 8 panel says, ATL says, thank you. I hope you're well. Amanda says, good read. Yes, it was. I enjoyed it very much. Lisa Reen says, thanks again, Jake. Nice lesson. Thank you. Uh, I enjoyed it. Walter says, hi, Jake, April, ATL, Amanda, Cowboys, Lisa Reen, Fab, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, everybody. Hi. Amanda says, hi, Walter. Good read, Jake, says Walter. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you. Caucasian Sasquatch, what's up, my brother? Good to see you. Hope you're doing well. I fixed it. No more crashes. Good. Did you buy a new computer? A stronger one? Is the force with you? April says, was great seeing everybody. Jake, I love the read, hon. You explain it with passion. Nothing short of awesome. I love you all true. I love you too. I hope you ain't getting ready to bail. We still got 20 minutes. April says, Caucasian, hello. Much love. April says, yes. Hi, Caucasian. So you're saying they did it in groups. I would imagine so. I imagine it was freaky deaky and smelly up in them places at that time. And I imagine it was fun. But nobody held a grudge. Nobody hated each other. I mean, if a woman couldn't get pregnant, her first move was to bring the handmaiden in and do it for her. You know? It's her, her, her decision. So, yeah, in those days, they were getting down, baby. Walter says, hey, Sasquatch. Caucasian says, Amanda. April says, Walter. Oh, Caucasian says, April, Walter. 
April says, like three or four? Wow, seriously, like 50. How many can you hold at one time? April says, I'm still here. I wouldn't leave either if the conversation was getting so saucy. Walter says, cowboy, is eight panel in reference to breaking horses? Well, I don't know if it is or not, but that's a good guess. April says, but I thought it was a sin. Who told you it was a sin? Whoa, 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 whoa. Stop the presses. We need to talk right now, young lady. Everybody, listen up. This is a, a crucial thing. Sex is not a sin. Adultery is a sin. If you're married, it's not adultery. Let me clarify. Do you know what the very first thing God ever said to mankind in a verbal fashion was? The very first commandment. Do you know what it was? First time he ever spoke to mankind. He said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill up the earth and subdue it. What do you think multiply means in that sense, being fruitful? Why do you think your hands are at the exact location when hanging as your junk? You don't even have to try. It's right there. Why do you think men and women go together like a jigsaw puzzle? Both ways. Whichever way you want to go, it works. Why do you think that is? You think that's an accident? Why do you think you have a sex drive at puberty? Why do you think it's thirsty? Because it's not a sin to love somebody. It's not a sin to be part of a union. What's a sin is to have sex out of wedlock, more specifically because weddings as we know them today is a business transaction. It's a transfer of title, ownership. It is not God's law wedding, which means two hearts come together and they are one flesh after that. To have sex with a virgin and not take her as a wife is a sin. But if you take her as a wife, it's not a sin. You understand? It's lasciviousness that's a sin. It's danger. It's hurting or taking against someone's will their sin. Having sex is not a sin. It's an icing on the cake. It's a blessing from God. Why do you think it feels good? Why do you think you want it? Do you think God would create a being that wanted it and then tell them it was a sin to have it? Does that make any sense to you at all? You show me in the Ten Commandments where it says, Thou shalt not have sex. It's not there. In any commandment, for that matter. First thing God said was, Have lots of sex. Fill up the earth. You, you, you're running out of time. Get busy. So, fear not the penis. It's good to make life. It's even better if you make life. What you should worry about are men that do you harm, that take you against your will. If you're not a willing participant, it's a sin. If you're not committed, it's a sin. You've got to be one flesh, says God. That's what marriage is. By the way, do you know what the expression for marriage is in the Hebrew? 
to spread thy skirt over oneself. What do you think that means? Well, men wore skirts in those days, and if he's spreading his skirt over you, it's because he's banging you. That's what marriage is. That's what God said he did to Israel. He married it, and he divorced it, but he married it. So, you've been taught a puritanical way of thinking, which is incorrect, which is why you have to watch this program, because I'll set you straight. I know what the Bible says. I've studied it for 35 years in depth in three languages. I'm telling you what I'm saying is right. You can't get that at a church. They'll never admit to it. They have a board to answer to. I don't. They have uh, people who pay their salaries. I don't. You pay my salary, which means I tell you the truth. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I don't have a committee to answer to. I don't have a denomination I have to stick with. If it goes against a denomination, so be it. If the Bible says it, it's true. Simple as that. It is the oldest document known to man from the right source, from Antioch, the one that I teach from, the only one that I teach from. I can trace its uh, translation back to its origin without flaw. It is perfect as it can be. There are some mistakes here and there, but they have been addressed over the years. I'm not the only one that's ever seen them. That being said, when I come across them, I point them out. Other than that, it is a perfect recreation of God's Word. And it says, sex ain't a sin. So, how about them apples? Walter says, go forth and multiply. Yeah, Walter says, April, they rolled a bit different back then. They sure did. By the way, it is not good to have more than one wife now because it was set as a rule in the temple. But before that, it was not a rule, so it was okay. Okay, question then. If you're not married, then can you have as many partners as you want? No. <laughs> no. The hell's wrong with you? No, I'm just kidding. Here's the thing, honey. You have to be committed. It's about the heart. When you commit to a, another soul, you become one flesh. That usually means you have a baby, but it also, you, you, you come together, and then you must be committed in that relationship. Now, if you lived before the rules were set, if you lived back in David's day, yeah, you could have as many partners as you want. Just marry them all, you know. But now, you're to be one man and one woman together for God. And as long as you do that, you're fine. Does that mean you're going to go to hell if you have more than one partner? No. Repent and go your way and sin no more. That's what Christ said. You can't con God, though. you got to mean it. you got to understand what you did was wrong. you got to get in your heart that this was an incorrect thing to do and be sorry for it and move on. I don't care if you've been divorced. God was divorced. God divorced Israel. So you can be divorced. Repent and go and sin no more. The next person you marry, make it stick. Simple as that. I hope that helps. April says, I just thought in a relationship, you should just be with that one person is all. Well, that is true now. Now you should do that. Back then, wasn't the case. 
You got to understand that God amended the rules halfway through. After the flood, everything changed. Everything. Before the flood, people and animals were buddies and everybody was a vegetarian. That ain't the case anymore. So, you know. But I thought God don't like same-sex doing that. He doesn't. Same-sex is not sex. You understand? You can't get life from a butthole. That's the point of sex, is to make life. Two innies can't make life. I'm sorry. I know that there are some people out there who are of that persuasion. And you'll get no judgment from me. <clears throat> Not my place to judge you. You're welcome here. Only thing I request is that you understand that what you're doing is wrong. It is wrong. Why is it wrong? Because God hates it. That's why. That's good enough. He makes the rules. This is his property. He owns all of this. So if he don't like it, you don't do it. Simple as that. Cowboys 8 panel says, I must need a new phone. Sorry. I'm sorry. I hope that it works out for you. Okay. Answer my other question. I'll be glad to. April says, that's how I always believed it anyway. Good. April says, yes. But I thought you said the man and his other wives did it together. They did. Again, the rules were different before that. Things changed. Why do you think God hates homosexuality? Because he saw it and didn't like it. He created man to be with woman. Period. That's why he changed the rules. Because he didn't like what was happening beforehand. It says as much. We've read about it when he says, I loathed it. I hated it. I, I don't, don't want man to be with man and woman to be with woman. I don't like that. Stop it. So he changed. He set up Israel to be his people. And he gave them a bunch of rules. Among those rules is don't have sex with the same sex. But that was back then, right? April says, gotcha. Walter says, April, if you and Kevin get married and he wants to marry a second wife at the service, you can object when the preacher says, speak now or forever hold your peace. Or you could punch him in the eye and say, I'm your woman. Period. I, I go with that one. Punch him in the damn eye. Can't have two women. What's wrong with you? Can't even take care of me. Somebody asked me recently if I was going to spread my seed and I was like I can't even stand one woman what makes you think I want more than one mm. MVTV what's up buddy good to see you out of territory sorry however I bet April would make that objection long before the ceremony that black eye Kevin that's a black eye Kevin <laughs> yeah um I know April so I assure you there'll be a knife involved promise. April says, LOL, Walter. Walter says, hey, Montana. Listen, <laughs> it's not good to go against your family and to, you know, have multiple partners. Though that was not always the case. But it is now. And that's all that matters. We live, by, we live under the rule of the dispensation of grace 
which is the rule set up for Christ, which started at the flood, at the end of the flood. Anything before that doesn't pertain to us. It's history. It's, we have to know about it so that we can inform our lives and know what to and what not to do. But it doesn't matter. It's all in the past. The whole world was destroyed by the flood, including everything that happened in the world. It's all wiped away like an Etch-A-Sketch. Start over. See what I'm saying? April says, Jake, that's me. Amanda says, hi, Outer Territories. April says, absolutely. Territory says, Amanda, evening, man. You're such a sweet man. I love you. I hope you're doing well. I hope your crop's doing well. Any other questions? I like questions. I'm good. I'm good with questions. And as I was saying earlier, stop it. Don't come out unless I tell you. I, I'm not joking. Stop it. Sorry. My computer gets a little wily every now and then. Doesn't know when to quit. I, 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 I. Don't make me turn you off. I will reboot you right now. Smart ass. I don't know what. What to tell you? Walter says, I know a couple polygamists. They seem to make it work. It's not for me, though. One honeydew list is enough. Amen, brother. I'm with you there. April says, LOL, etch a sketch. Yeah, I like to pull from way back sometimes. Outer Territory says, I'm so far beyond active relationships, it's all in the past now. Plus... I've eroded so much, there's no way I'd inflict myself on a lady to whom I was attracted. Now at least. Oh, don't talk like that. They make little blue pills. I'm sure if somebody got your goat, it'd jump right up out of there. I'll pray for you. April says, I agree. Oh, it's been a lovely night so far. I hope you guys have gotten a lot out of tonight. I hope you're enjoying it. I hope you're all having fun. I hope all your minds are blown, because I'm going to blow your mind. Not with you, MVTV. With Walter, LOL. <laughs> you agree with Walter, not MVTV. Yeah, one honey-do list is, uh, yeah. She don't agree that you need to put it away for good. Take it out and beat the dust off of it every now and then. Be all right. Function isn't the problem. Respect for the ladies is. I'm scary now. They make shoe polish. Outer says, got it, April. Appreciate it. <laughs> April says, I love all you guys and gals. I love you too, honey. Jake, smiley faces. April. You better watch April. She'll cut you like a fish. <laughs> Ain't scared either. 
Walter says, I finished up a Winchester 94 and pulled apart a Marlin Pump 22. Needs a new fired pin. I love a Winchester. Is it a 30-30? I like the 30-30. Cowboy style. Amanda says, I love you too, April. Thank you all so much. Going to try to get my gunsmithing business going again. That's awesome, Walter. I'll support you on that. I got a few I'll send you. You just let me know when you're up and running. I need a new fire pen and a particular pistol of mine. A firing spring, rather, not pen. The spring that makes you pull the trigger. We need that. Which isn't a spring. It's a piece of steel about that long that goes in a place about that long. And don't know how they get it in there. Yes, it's a 30-30. And an old one. Probably from the early 60s. Sweet. Does it have the uh, single action cock? Or has it got the round one? That you can twirl it in your arm. Is it the John Wayne? Or the... Uh, Regular one. I couldn't think of anybody else that shot a thirty thirty. I know they're there. Just can't remember them. Yule Brenner, maybe. April says, that's nice, Walter. You and Kevin should talk. That's cool. Ooh, see? You already got business lining up. How about that? Welcome to the podcast. We like to spread it around around here. Yep, it's a standard rifle. I got you. Outer says, I could use some higher calibers. I really miss my Mossberg 3030. Should get one of those. Yeah. April says, Billy the Kid. Well, he wasn't real. He used six shooters, not 3030s. He was real, but not in the movies. He's a murderer in real life. Walter says, The Rifle Man TV show. That's the guy. That's a feller. Jesse James and those guys, they also use six-shooters, Colt 45s to be specific. Or the Colt Peacemaker, rather. I have a replica of a Peacemaker. It's bad to the bone and deadly accurate. It's made in Italy by hand. I think they're all made by hand. I don't know. Except for the uh, AR-15 is probably stamped out of a sheet of metal. Anyway, I love just a 30 caliber. Enough power and accuracy for any varmints. With my pistol, I'd likely clip more bystanders than bad guys. Yeah, you got to aim a pistol. You can just shoot a, a rifle in that general vicinity. You got to be careful with a pistol. If the nose is too far down, you shoot somebody's foot off. It's all in how you hold it. It takes practice. You got to get out there and shoot some cans. Get used to it. Know how to handle it. For a while, Children's Services said I had to turn it down. Tune it down. I had guns laying all over my office and my shop. Well, I'm glad they let up on that because... Uh, it is your constitutional right to bear, keep and bear arms, and it shall not be infringed, not even by children's services. 
Cowboy says, peace to all the bystanders. Yeah. Lord, help us all. Oh, Jesus, he's shooting again. Look out. I wasn't even in his yard. I like to shoot in my yard. People don't like it around here, but what are they going to do about it? Outer Territory says, I set up an experiment with a cardboard with cardboard cutouts of bad guys holding a lady hostage with a knife at the throat. He wouldn't drop it, so I got him. But the hostage is two. But to be fair, I got him first. Amen, brother. Everyone says, I like the Al Pacino. Say hello to my little friend. That was a big shotgun that he was carrying. <coughs> 12 gauge, if I'm not mistaken. Pump action. Ugh, stupid word per, per prediction. Yep. Type, don't talk. You want to play rough, eh? Okay, okay, I'll play. I'll play. Say hello to my little friend. You caught it, Jake. Cool. I, I speak typoese. I drive people crazy because I'm constantly quick. I'm constantly correcting my screw ups. Walter says, "Technically, you kept the bad guy from killing the hostage, so it's a win, right? You killed the hostage. Hostage still died, but you won that battle." I really like Al Pacino. I do too. He's a heck of an actor. Vanity, definitely my favorite sin. Hooah! Two different movies, but still. Excellent movies. You should check them out. That is, uh, what was it? The Devil's Advocate and Son of a Woman. Two great Al Pacino movies. Actually, crops are doing great, says Outer Territories. Suddenly have ripe corn, tomatoes, and cabbage. I'm expecting a box of tomatoes in the mail, buddy. I want some of them tomatoes that you grew. Oh, I want a big, juicy tomato sandwich, and I'm hungry, so. At least two fat ones. Pacino did great in a recent Netflix series called The Hunters. Yeah, I haven't seen that. I've got it, but I had not had a chance to watch it yet. I believe it was you that recommended me watching it. So I went out and downloaded it. I just hadn't got to it yet, but I will. Saw a movie with him with Matthew McConaughey. McConaughey. And that would be uh, any given Sunday, I think. Yeah, I think something Sunday anyway. Any given Sunday. I'm pretty sure that's the name of it. It's about football. Right? Maybe they did more than one movie together. I don't remember. It was about football and bets. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. That's it. Any given Sunday. Next, I am a plethora of movie titles. 
if nothing else. Outer Territory says, I have these huge beefsteak tomatoes and another kind, the size, shape of large peppers. It has 27 of them weighing it down. 4% pumpkins so far and more farming. Excellent, buddy. I'm proud of you. 54 pumpkins. Gotcha. It had a great plot, and it was a terrific movie, says April, any given Sunday. Yep. Also, Scarface was a good movie. Excellent movie, actually. And it's based on characters built off of the movie Godfather. Wow, that's a lot, says April. Yes. A lot of tomatoes. Shouldn't be a problem to send me a couple of them in. I'll take one of them beefsteak tomatoes. I bet they're tasty, too. I love Georgia tomatoes because of the soil. It's like a fruit. Bite into it, just drip down your chin. It's delicious. They vined out twice as far as the pot. The plot's just insane. That's excellent. That is excellent. All right, boys and girls, if you feel generous, BJ, now I lay me down to sleep. Help me keep the lights on. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I, I got my own theme song. Before I wake, BJ. I've been a good dog. Right a little kibbles and bits in the bowl. If I nice. before I wake. EJ. EJ. That's how you do it, computer. You wait till I tell you to do it. All right. I hope you guys had a great time tonight. Thank you so much for being here in the chat. Thank you for keeping everything popping and saying so many great things and asking questions. I need the questions. Bring the questions. I've got a brain full of answers. Somebody needs to ask. <coughs> now, I hope you had a good time tonight. I hope you feel enlightened. I hope you feel happy. I hope you like what you heard. And I hope you come back tomorrow night for the remainder of this story. Have a great night. God bless you all. May his peace abound in your lives. May you find happiness and love and comfort and beefsteak tomatoes. Have a great night. God bless you all. Thanks for watching.